just watching people whom I admired deal with things on an emotional level that were so much more mature than what I had going on. That was when I realized uh, going deeper for me was certainly much more, I think, attainable. And I found out that I did have sort of an aptitude for that. I guess when I finally went, wait a minute, you need to not read one more book of philosophy. You need to be applying what you already do have in your brain cells. It became a path. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome back to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, and today we got a special guest that uh, is uh, that I'm really excited about, and I'll introduce him in just a, just a moment. We we don't have Alan Berger with us today. With me is uh, our wonderful producer and friend Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, you know, Alan's always watching over us like a benevolent ghost. That's how I like to think of him, just his, <laughs> his big bald head in the cosmos somewhere just shining down upon us. But I'm doing That's, well, yes. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Well, the, the the guest we have the guest we have today is 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 a is, a, is an old friend of mine. Uh, now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wander off of myself a little bit in some of this stuff. When I say old friend, it means I've known him a long, long time. Uh, but the other thing is, it's always weird to put the word old with Jeff because uh, because because I he was always my young friend. He was uh, significantly younger than me, and and so he he was uh, and. He and Didi, uh, my wife and I were were good friends with him long ago when he lived in Nashville, uh, and uh, we we were uh, we we had some wonderful times times together. So he's my he's my old young friend, uh, Jefferson Ross. He's a he's a he's a uh, many things. He's a he's a um, sing he's a singer songwriter. He's a a, a a painter. He's a, he's an artist in many, probably more ways than I know, um, and. And I want to have him on here today because because we use his music. He was kind enough to let us use his music for our emotional sobriety, you know, kind of intros and outros and that kind of stuff. And, and, and I love his music. I, and through his music, really, I've gotten to know a different part of Jeff than I ever knew when, I, when we were hanging out together. And, and it's a, a, I think besides being the songwriter, besides being the artist, and I'll use this to, to introduce you, Jeff. Uh, you're 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 most definitely, and this part I believe you always have been ever since I've known you. You are a philosopher, and and I believe so much of what we do as I get older in this business of therapy and of writing about it is philosophy as much as it is psychology. And mm -hmm. and your philosophy through your writing is beautiful and wonderful and clear and uh, enlightening to me. Uh, and um, I'm just and, and with thanks for letting us use your music uh, to, to help our podcast along. Uh, welcome to our podcast, Jefferson. Well, thank you, Tom and Patrick. Nice to meet you, too, buddy. It's great to finally meet you. Yeah. 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 You were I mean, what I know, let's get let's go ahead and get this part out of the way. Jeff, right. anybody's interested in the history of me. I don't know if anybody if we have anybody in, in the history of me, but the history of me. Uh, other than, other than my wife, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is the only person, other person present at the, at, uh, on the very last time I took, ever took a drink of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, we, we lived in a little yellow house on Estes street on, uh, in Nashville. And it was some random afternoon, evening, and Jeff was, Jeff was over and we were drunk. And, uh, my wife, uh, who had, who had, you know, had done this strange thing six months previous to that. And that is she had decided that she might have a problem with alcohol and she had gone to AA. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which of course ruined my life for that six months. Man, I had to go underground with the whole drinking thing. And, and it's like, but she came home and, um, and she said very clearly, you're drunk, which I thought, uh, I probably even thought at the time, well, that's a pretty safe bet, but, but, but she met it at a different level. And I, I just got to say that, that it was, I believe now, I think it's snowing there in Atlanta where you are now, right? It yeah. is. Is I believe it was snowing. It was, it was cold, snowing in Nashville. It was cold because you were out back, as as yeah. I, and I, as I recall, you on your ha- hands and knees, <laughs> <laughs> on your hands and knees, th- throwing up. And I want to know. I want to say that I, as as a person, I was, and, and this will show you about how alcoholism works. I was I was the clinical director of an alcohol and drug treatment center that I'd actually helped design and develop. So it's like it. it, it uh, um, um, I had spent a lot of time doing the work of, of alcohol and drug counseling. And uh, and the best I could come up with is when my wife confronted me was I pointed out back and said, Jeff is drunker than I am. And that that was it. That's all. <laughs> And apparently that that wasn't enough because as of a couple of days ago, 36 years later, I still haven't had another drink. So, so, uh, but but, uh, it it was some awful rinse of tequila. What was it? Do you remember? uh, Well, I I was, was no, uh, I was, I was drinking uh, Scoresby Scotch. I think that's what we both were drinking because, because I kept that, I kept that bottle around for a while. Yeah. Bukowski quit drinking. So. That's right. So anyway, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff was there and, and Jeff, Jeff kindly has has re- has remained a friend of mine through 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 the years, although we haven't had as much contact as we as I wish we had. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad to be reconnected with you. And Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, talked about emotional sobriety in the early 1950s. Emotional sobriety is the development of real maturity and balance, which is even beyond the physical sobriety of alcohol and drugs out of our system. He says the, the the development of real maturity and balance, which is to say humility, uh, to to, uh, to in relation to ourselves, to our fellows, and to God. However, we define God, uh, and one of the best ways I've ever heard emotional sobriety defined was by our our, our buddy uh, Dr. Berger, who says it's a real maturity, a condition in which. The best of us is in charge of the rest of us. And uh, and so my belief about this is that we, you know, we spend so much time talking about there's so many of us that, that are in this discussion on our podcast or in our group who basically are, are our background is alcohol and drug dependence or uh, eating disorder uh, uh, kinds of things or other kinds of, of, of more familiar addictions. Listening to your music. Jeff, I think you're an emotionally sober man. So that, and by the way, that always comes with the, the, the humility and the, the absolute no expectation of perfection. So there's no, there's no pressure that comes, comes with that. That's, that's a, that's a, um, an observation, not a, not a, not a, not even a compliment and, but certainly not an accusation. Um, so, you know, just, I, and this is where we come down to the philosophy. It's like, since you and I have been were together a long, long, long time ago, I think we both have must have been on on journeys of our own in which we have learned a lot about I, life. I would say that's probably the truth. <laughs> yeah, I certainly have, and I know you have as well. I mean, um, I think that I, I've really it, I, there's no easy. We were uh, Patrick and I were talking about. We said, you know, Alan Watts, we, we want everything to have this linear progression. When Alan Watts said, you know, the world's a squiggly place. You might as well just get squiggly with it. And uh, I think letting go and trying to go, well, I, I, I screwed up yesterday, so I'm probably going to be worse today. Or, you know, I need to kick myself for that. When you just realize the world's a squiggly place, and the best thing you can just do is to get in that dance. And, and, uh, and being, the thing that's helped me the most is just to be in the moment. Uh, and not work out where I am five years from now or, you know, I mean, make some responsible choices financially or, or however you want to do that. But, you know, I think I'm not one person. I'm several. I've got an inner child. I've got an old grumpy old man. I've got them all. And they, I've kind of let them 
uh, learn how to get along together. I don't let inner child drive the car, but Mm -hmm. I, uh, but I let him uh, start my work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Started on that. Mm -hmm. So I think helped me in just recognizing, uh, who I am and and who I am are, are several, uh, little, uh, units that uh all, all all that you are yeah yeah i mean and they seem to they seem to get along a lot better than they used to i think recognizing that they're giving them some uh credence and you know recognition just like okay i realize you're there now do your thing and uh, try to play well with the others well and that's where i think that you know alan's uh doc, dr burger's uh, uh the best the best of us in charge of the rest of us is is a good one but it you know but uh, but it also i want to would want to put the caveat in there that that doesn't imply that that the the other ones are less or are, are you know not less 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 yeah. the best it's like they're just different and every it's a team and it, it's it's it's, yeah. it's 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 really interesting that you you launch off there because it's like uh I mean, that's, that's just absolutely right in line with, with what, what I have been, uh, you know, and, and my experience, I, my, my, my guess would be, I would ask you this, if, if your experience is the same as mine, which is, is if you really want to know how stupid humans are, it's like, it's like, we've been, I've been learning the same lessons for years and years and decades. You know, I just keep learning. It's not like there's a new one, new lesson. It's like, I just, I just have to keep getting it over and it's repetition. Yeah, well, we learn that in music. You know, it's there. There are only eleven notes in the, in the Western scale, mm-hmm. and you know, you you know, once you learn them, you can't go. Well, I've learned them. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's how that? Oh, that's beautiful. Learned. Yeah, I mean, life. That, I mean, that, that. I'm sorry, we're both talking over well, each other. Because right? you could take any type of simple parameter and go, mm-hmm. well, that really is all there is. If you're just going to scratch the top little, you know, skin of it, uh, right. but not trying to reinvent the wheel every time. It's just trying to learn how to have a little more dexterity with the wheel you've already been working with all along. And that sounds mm-hmm. boring, I'm sure, to a lot of folks. But in my experience, it's the truth because you don't go farther, you go deeper. And uh, once you have the sort of courage to look a little deeper, uh, then you might possibly, as a side benefit, go a little farther. Right. I love that. I love that. Don't go farther. Go deeper. It's like it's um, and the part about the boring part. I I, I did a eating disorder workshop thing with a, with a, a colleague and friend of mine for many many years. And one of the things that, that she used to say uh, to, to our clients at the toward the end of our weekend workshop would be, "You have to be willing to do the boring part." You yeah. have to, you know, it's, it's like, it's well, and I, and I think that's the, the case. I, I, I learned it. I used the metaphor of learning uh, uh, magic. It's like when I, when I was learned, when I was learning to be a magician back a long time, you have that uh, certainly at a, a far more of a masterful level with music is the idea is, you know, I, and I, you, you, you tell me if you tell me if my metaphor is correct, but I, I tell people that if I, if I were to get, have Eric Clapton give me guitar lessons on a weekly basis and I showed up for every lesson, but never practiced anything I ever learned, I would not play the guitar. I think, I mean, you, when you say that about the notes, I, I think, I think of the, how I, we often think, well, I've, okay, I'd, I've gone through the 12 steps of recovery, for instance, I, I've got those 12 steps down. It's like, well, you know, I've, you know, what I, how I think of those it is a, it is a box of tools. It's like, it's not like I've used the hammer. Yeah. Yes. You're, I mean, you're probably better at this than I am, but I, but, but one of my, one of my great frustrations in life that I hope to, to, to do something about if I ever have the willingness to do the boring part is learn to drive a damn nail i'm horrible at driving nails it's it's like you you think that's it's a it's a it's a beautiful example of simple things that are not easy it's yeah. it's like it's like i've been that nail every damn time or hit myself with the hammer i'm not great at that either i've got a stigmatism i'm the world's worst pool player on earth now i've tried to <laughs> times in my life to much embarrassment golf same thing and i and i i want to blame it on my eyesight I, it's, it's probably just i am just uh not very good at that but uh but i think uh you know certainly the way we we see things uh, uh it affects our our ability on that i can't 
I mean, I can't, I cannot play pool. I, I, I'm like you. I really, am, and I do, I'm a guitarist, so I do watch my hands a little bit, but I'll, uh, I'll mess a nail up every time. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better. And yeah. see, that, that's, that's another principle in all of this as well, too, is part of, part of why we ask people to join us here on this podcast or in our, our Thursday uh, support group or, or just to reach out and whether it be with us or somebody else, get, get support is, is it really is nice to know we're not the only one. And, oh, yeah. and for mo most of us who've been pretty critical of ourselves, uh, you know, uh, in life that we've had period, we've had a period of life part of time or have periods where, you know, we're we're feeling isolated in part because we think we're the only one who's feeling this this shit. And it's yeah. really nice to hear that we're not. Oh, yeah. sure. Well, I think that I mean, I'm into all types of art, as you've pointed out. I think the main the main uh, mission of art is to help us not to feel alone. Um that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's arts, of, you know, pictures worth a thousand words and, you know, a song's worth a thousand words and all that, too. And I think uh, mm -hmm. a lot of reasons to to paint a picture or but you if you can connect, I think the, the point is to connect. If you do connect and someone out there is going to realize, hey, I'm not alone. Um, yeah. And that, that's a that's a good thing to be doing in your life, I think. That's beautiful. I like that. At what point in your recoveries? Uh, did you recognize that it that the work of recovery is about going deeper? It's not necessarily better, but it's you know uh, that there were deeper levels to plumb. And was that uh, was that something that like occurred to you guys fairly early uh, once in your sobriety, or was that uh, was that like a a late arriving? Je Jeff's Nugget. not an alcoholic. He's not. Jeff's not one of us in that way. He's not an alcoholic. It's like he was a young kid. Uh, I, I, he probably. He, I don't know. I'll have to check. He probably uses. I was a bad influence on him uh, in some in some ways. But 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 no. He Jeff's one of those great examples to me. Where when I when I got sober, I thought for sure that I knew it was like it was one more distraction for me. I thought I knew everybody that was that was an alcoholic along with me, and I was so fucking wrong about so many people i would think oh that person that like like and uh no i mean i don't i don't know your story with that jeff but 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 my my general guess is you 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 didn't you well you you did not go the way the way i went with that you didn't have the brain chemistry i have for alcoholism and you probably you probably grew up yeah slowly but surely i mean <laughs> yeah i'd like to think it you know, I had a lot of help. And, and uh, back to your question real quick, though, Patrick, about going deeper. Um, man, that's something that um, it was almost like an epiphany for me. Um, well, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to get off the the, uh, the subject of chemical sobriety. I'm just talking about maturity or emotional sobriety in, in general. Um, I had some good help with uh, my wife is, was really strong about that just watching people whom I admired deal with things on an emotional level that were so much more mature than what I had going on. That was when I realized uh, going deeper for me was certainly much more, I think, attainable. And I found out that I did have sort of an aptitude for that. I guess when I finally went, wait a minute, you need to not read one more book of philosophy. You need to be applying what you already do have in your brain cells, it became a path. It's mm -hmm. a squid we've been talking about, but it, mm -hmm. it was the path for me. Um, it's been that way in my career. It's been that way in my, uh, my worldview and my travels, my relationship with my wife and my daughter. Um, yeah, I think it, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know when I had the revelation of aha, but I, I, I remember when it started, when that path mm -hmm. began. Well, I'm a big believer that, that 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 the best insights when we tell our stories are, are, are with hindsight. Anyway, it's like we don't know. We don't generally have the insight first. We look back and go, you know, I think about this time in my life. I look back. I think I was kind of getting it about around that that time. It's like yeah. I mean, my I, I'm, I've had many insights in my life where I thought, ah, oh, this is a life changer. But but I don't know of one of those that basically you know survives in my story that would say like it was. You know, it's like the stories, the stories that I tell that I would say like are pivotal moments in my life are, are they they may they may they may be kind of, you know, big moments. But but sometimes sometimes it's sort of innocuous and, and not big, not that big a deal. But you realize, I think I picked it, it up about that time. 
Yeah, that's that's right. It's like you didn't realize it was a red letter day, but it was a mm-hmm. red letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we draw back all the way back to that day, you were. And by the way, I want to make it real clear to everyone listening. Jeff was drunker than I was. It's like, let's be real. Let's be clear about that. I, I might have been messed up in a lot of ways, but I, you know, I'm pretty good. Have good perception about drunkenness. It's like, um, but, you know, I mean, I mean, of course, that was a that was a scary ass day for me. It's like, you know, I hated that day. I didn't like what was happening. Uh, Fear and, of change. Yeah, I love your your song called Change yeah. uh, for that for that very reason. It is such a uh, that because that, it is all about the fear of change. And, and, and by the way, we'll, we'll do this before we finish. Tonight, but if you guys are listening today, you, you go, you go, go to Jefferson's uh, um, uh, go look for his music, go to his website, go wherever his music's available and listen to this guy's music. It's amazing. It's, I had no idea that you were that talented back in the days when we were friends. I knew you were a songwriter. Well, you had a song with what was the group that you had the song with? That was the kind of hard rocking group. The oh, Hatchet. <laughs> Molly Hatchet. Yes. Yeah. You had that and you had a gospel thing. I always thought that was yeah, a weird. Was, yeah, that was. <laughs> That really should have pointed you in the direction of where my mind was at the time. <laughs> Molly Hatchet and then Every- the gospel cut somewhere. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> well, it shows, it shows a man who's willing to do what he's got to do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's one thing that um, I just wanted to make a lot of money. You know, I'm like the average. I think I was like 21 years old when I met you. And mm-hmm. I, uh a talent for it. I had a knack for it, but I, my, my goal was to go farther, not deeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Point. Yeah. And uh, things kind of changed when I, when I turned all that around a little bit, but my heroes were the, you know, that I'm trying, I tried to start emulating in a way, my heroes who were sort of yours at the time, you know, Guy Clark and Pounds mm-hmm. uh, and Jerry Jeff and all that, those people that mm-hmm. we were with at the mm-hmm. time. I was always like, well, I could never do that, but I could do this hit song on the radio. And uh, probably just let that go and went, no, wait a minute, just write something real. Hemingway said, you know, just write one true thing and the rest will follow. So that's kind of how that changed. I don't think I got any more talented, but I did put in my, what is it, the 10,000 hours and and that whole thing about and changed from going, you know, from going farther, going deeper. Well, you know what it tells me about you, or, or, or at least what I've made up about what it tells me about you, Jeff, is is that, you know, that I had, you know, because, you know, both of us living in Nashville, we both knew, we've known a lot of songwriters and and uh, recording artists and things like that. It's like what I realized when I when I really discovered your music after, you know, I've been so, I was sober a long time and you were you were long gone. It's like I thought, man. How, here's something he had that I didn't have, and that's humility. It's like, I mean, you you didn't, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people with a lot of talent who basically you're going to know that in the first few moments that you're meeting them. And, 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 and some of them are quite talented, but it's like, you know, some of them not. But it's but it's like it's like, you know, it's. Uh, I, I would go back and think, what did we talk about? What did we what? You know, it's like, you know, and I go like, I don't know, really, but we had a lot of fun. Sure. I, or I had fun with you. Oh, sure. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot from you. Well, we talked a lot about what we were reading at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And we talked, there was, a, there, was a, there was a cool new age bookstore in Nashville, which was sort of yeah. unusual. We used to yeah. hang out. There was all kind of cool oh, ideas. That's right. Magical ideas. journey. Yeah. From you that we didn't sit around talking about people a lot. We talked about mm-hmm. ideas. And, uh, you know, that was that was great fun for me because mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to to do that. And, I'm, you know, I subsequently have had friends throughout the years that would do that. But I, I, I realized that that's what it, it was. A, it was a friendship built on exploring ideas. And there wasn't anything too crazy or too whatever to talk about. Mm-hmm. And at 21 right. years old and you were a little older, uh, I really uh, admired that. And, and um mm-hmm. It's been a it's set a pattern, I guess, for my, mm-hmm. for my. It was really quite acceptable and normal in our in our world around us, especially around in in Nashville with the creative world we were around and stuff. I was doing a lot of reincarnation work and and past yeah. life regressions and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, yeah. Well, it was real appealing at the time because there wasn't no one. None of those books prescribed a whole lot of work. 
you just had to sort of envision it or believe it or whatever. Oh, that's the truth. Start on a path. Uh, There was a whole lot of, hey, there are going to be a lot of boring days where you're just going to have to hunker down. None of that was in any of that stuff. But that's okay. (laughs) Because that that became evident after a while. But at least if your imagination is big enough to go, you know what? I can uh, make a beautiful life for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world, you know, the others right. around. Um, so that was a, no, I think it was an empowering, empowering, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. probably a smart thing that it's uh, matured, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my, truly one of my frustrations, I have this with my, my old college friends that thank God to with technology as it is, we, that through the years we reconnected and, and uh, with, with, with people that I've known in the past is, one of the frustrating, and I and I have come to believe that I, that mine is not necessarily is not unique like anything else, but it's like one of the things I've discovered is apparently my my alcoholism really it's not just about oh I don't remember something because I was drunk that day. It was like it really has it really left me with quite a foggy, uh, vague set of memories about things so that I, I find when I'm talking to old friends, sometimes that, that, that they're much more likely to remember more specific things than I am. And I'm going like, I'm, I, so it's not like I was just blacked out the whole time, but it's, it's like it did. It's one it's what, as I, as I take an inventory of the damage, the, the drinking did for me was, was it, it really, I, you know, which I think is also pretty, it's, it's a pretty interesting way of saying that I really was by, by, drinking the way I was drinking, I really wasn't showing up for my life. You know? Well, uh, you know, when you're, when you're walking through your life with a, a large amount of time with a, with a low grade hangover, you know, you're spending a lot of energy just sort of getting through the day, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, that's it. Have a whole lot of time yeah. to, mm-hmm. you know, filing away uh, the intricacies of what's just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's a common thing. That's it. Well, now, now Patrick, by the way, is is a writer as well. He's a, he's a, he's a, among other things a screenwriter. And uh, but I, I do want to ask you this, Patrick, on behalf of of Jeff and I, have you read The Talisman by Peter Straub and, and Stephen King? No, but uh, damn, that's a pedigree. I should get on that. We we recommend <laughs> it together highly. <laughs> oh, I need to reread that. That's a uh, it's a real. Um, metaphor for a lot. Yeah. I just came to my back porch one day, uh, uh, just opened the back door and it was, the book was just sitting there. you left it for me. It's like, it was, yeah, that's a long, long time. Yeah. That's a real metaphor. Although what they did, this is before the internet and all that, but they did find a way, this is probably 82 or 83 when they were writing this book. And, uh, found a way to link their computers together. One of them lived in Maine and one of them lived in Connecticut or wherever. Mm-hmm. Way to link their computers. So one of them would write one chapter. I would read it. The next one would write the next chapter. There was no outline, no nothing. They just wrote this book. And it ends up being like a 600 page, kind mm-hmm. of a page road trip. Uh, <laughs> some of it fantastical and some of it's not. It's 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 a really interesting piece. Some surprising people don't uh, talk about that book, Mark, especially those who like. Oh, it. I I had forgotten. You're right that I I I had just locked just absorbed that into the today's age. We they didn't have the they didn't have email. It's like <laughs> no, there was no we we anybody you know the average kid here and that now goes well that's nothing. But those guys had no way. They didn't even have real computers they had uh, word processors they yeah. had some kind of way to hook their word processors that's yeah. amazing right yeah. yeah. number one best-selling hit guys like guys like stephen king are obviously an inspiration to me because um Shoot. he got sober and uh mm-hmm. he kind of uh, unlocked this reserve of energy <laughs> or he was able to harness the whatever energy mm-hmm. was going towards mm-hmm. this like ad- addicted craziness and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he had applied a work ethic to his talent and, um, you, well, you, know, you, well, yeah. you know, you recall, uh, there's a thing where they drink the grape juice and it changes them and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. He, and he breaks all that down that how he was, uh, he was fighting with, uh, with, with drinking alcohol at the time and was using that as sort of a, a metaphor for magic. Uh, and then he had to, he had to kind of rethink all that later on 
Well, even, even even in the book, it turns out you don't need the juice to flip to the you territories. Don't need- <laughs> That's, right. That's what he found. Forget, yeah. forget you heard that from us, by the way, uh, Patrick. You won't, you'll be surprised <laughs> when that happens. Boiler alert. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. I, well, this is, I mean, well, because I think what you're, what you're saying, Patrick is, is, is true period. I think that's, that's one of the, and that's one of the reasons, I mean, there were several, many reasons. One was just to have a reunion with Jeff, but, but, um, but the, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have Jeff on too is because, because we do have more and more people who, who come to us, who, who are responding to our podcast, who are coming to this group and stuff like that, that don't have the same history that you and I and Alan have of substance abuse, you know, and it's, and it's like, and one of the things that I've thought from, from early on in my recovery is what, what the hell do people do who aren't alcoholics, you know, because it, 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 you know, I began to be aware of I've learned so much through this process, through this program, uh, and it's like, and as it turns out, and it turns out that Bill Wilson, the founder, uh, you know, a wide open thinker himself, you know, had this early on in there in the probably late forties, but he wrote about it in the early fifties that, you know, this is what, you know, what I call it is facing the dependencies, but the, the big dependency beneath all the other ones, you know, yeah. and it's that, that emotional stuff that, that in the stuff that Alan talks about, about the, you know, adjusting. And it goes back to what, what Jeff was saying at the outset about live. It, it, it fucking all comes down to living in the moment. And it's, it's, and what, you know, I wanted to make a point about that too. It's, I had a, a, a client in one of my workshops one time that, that basically somebody was saying, well, what do you do with somebody who's saying they're living in the moment, but they're, they're doing that irresponsibly. And, and what, and I didn't have a very good answer to that, but, but this, this uh, per- participant in the program, did, the program we were doing did. And what she said was planning for the future and learning from the past are both present tense experiences. Yeah. Planning for planning for the future, learning from the past, both present. And I, and I don't remember her name. If I don't, this is one of those hindsight things. If I had known I was going to use the hell out of that quotation from her, I would have found out her name and, and, and be sure that she's getting credit for it all the time. Because I didn't say that, but I, I repeat it constantly. Um, Hopefully she's not too litigious. <laughs> Well, now you've brought it up. And if she's listening, my Lord, I hope she doesn't know what litigious means. I bet she learned that a while back. Yeah. Well, it's but living uh, in the moment. That's what it comes down to. Well, man. I think it's, yeah, in the moment is not walking around hypnotized by the moment. No, you know, it's, it's being uh, it's just it's recognizing and then being right here in the middle. Um uh, you know, it's like, it, it, I like this word integrity. Uh, mm-hmm. hear it a lot now. And uh, we, my wife and I did a little, worked a little uh, program not too long ago, attended. And um, it kind of brings in uh, the, this whole idea of what you're talking about, sort of. Uh, integrity, I was living in a lot of guilt uh, about, with in, about integrity. Um mm-hmm. Folks were saying, you know, I, they were sort of conflating my whole life. I guess I conflated integrity with morality with, oh, you're mm-hmm. a bad because you don't have integrity. I'm trying to get to how I kind of had my little epiphany mm-hmm. on paper. And um, they explained to me, and I really love this, that integrity is not a moral choice. It's just if something works or not. If you're standing under the roof of your house and it's not falling in and busting your head, that roof has integrity. It's I love not a choice whether or not to hit you or hurt you or whatever. It's just something that works. If someone say, if I'm constantly 15 minutes late, well, I have no integrity. It doesn't mean, or I don't have any integrity concerning that. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I mean anything toward you. It just means that our relationship is not working properly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I have to make you wait. So that's another thing when I really realized that, that I didn't have to conflate a bunch of moral guilt that I'd gotten growing up in Pentecostal church and all that. When I could just realize that if I could just have integrity in my work, in my marriage, in my fatherhood and all that, it didn't involve a whole bunch of um, morality judging one way or the other. I could just make sure that I did that. I said what I said I was going to do. And, um, and have integrity. And that really helped me a bunch with, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It just works. It's like, um, 
and and you know that's the other thing. Well, and now that I, now that I think about it, it's one of the things that, that the three of us will, all will have in common is you know not because we all focus on language. We you know I think I think it's fair to say for all, on behalf of all four of us, fascinated by language, <laughs> love language, and some you know we we hell we build things with words. Yeah. It's like it's it's they're like our little building blocks. Oh look uh, look what happens when I put these words together. It's like it's but it. So often what I've learned, you know, I used to think it was a mistake that I was an English major who ended up being a, a therapist. And then later I found out again, hindsight, uh, you know, it, Hey, that worked. It's like, because, because first of all, I learned to, I learned about listening to people's stories. Um, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a, there's a wonderful Gestalt therapist, uh, Irv, Irving Polster, who wrote a book. It was a great book, but I just love the title. Every, every, every person's life is worth a novel. Your song calls stories. Mm-hmm. And we use that, right, Patrick? Yeah. We use uh, stories to close the show. I see you sitting there with your guitar and just send, sending us all out to, to go out back to our lives. And then when we come back, <laughs> bring you stories. That's, that's, that's the, the essence of the imagery. At least I have of that so tell us about that song do you remember writing it uh, i'll be honest with you there are a lot of songs that i spend a lot i've, I've got a brand new album coming out in, in a couple of weeks and there's some song i spent two years on it some song i spent about four minutes and 30 seconds on gotcha. Story was one that i knew i had to have a final song i always try to close these albums out with not just having a the leftover song but have a song mm. that sums everything up and i knew i had to write that and that's what it was but mm. i do love that song and feel like that that's one of the most uh, human things we can do is uh, but, but, but what you're saying about how you wrote it that's perfect you d- you're dismissing us until we come back together again it's like yeah. it's 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 uh and and what one of the words I I mean if I write self help books and people have looked at me strange all the time but when I'm helping somebody with writing writing something even in a self help book or so what I'll say is is it you know a, a chapter a chapter needs to have a good punchline you know it's, it's like you know they go like what <laughs> but it's like it's that you you have that sense of that it's a it's uh and this is and I'm not a, I'm not a music very musical I'm not I don't have much rhythm I don't think but it's like I definitely I definitely do words with sound I read things out loud and I and I go like okay this has to have this kind of sound and and now that you say that you know it's uh so that song's at the end of which album you remember I think it's at the end of the Isle of Hope album I'd have to okay. look up yeah, that's okay. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I, um, that's all of your albums are amazing. So, um, how much of his song do we play at the end of our our podcast? Do we play the first verse or we play the whole thing? Um, I think we play the end of it. We play like the last thirty seconds. 30, oh, okay. Seconds. Okay. Okay. It's, I think the last the last little bit is it's it repeats the first verse. That's that's a smart way to do that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe we could play the song in its entirety at the end of this episode. Okay, let's do that. I, the the first one I had suggested that we use on the front end of this, I don't know if we do or not, because you, you're in Georgia, but it's Clues. I love Clues. Yeah, I believe we start with Clues and then we end with stories. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Jefferson sandwich. It's... <laughs> it's um, now I I don't know if I ever told I think I probably told you this Jeff it's it's like uh, do you know who do you know who John Shelby Spong is? No, I'm sorry. He's a he's a he's a it's okay. He's a retired uh, he's a retired Episcopal bishop who's a best selling writer of books like uh, Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism, huh? uh, Why Christianity what? Must Change or Die, uh, many many things. Very a, a very wise and controversial figure in the Episcopal Church. Uh, as you as you can imagine, but but uh, there is one of your songs that I sent to him and suggested to him that it be uh, he's he's become a friend of mine. He reviewed one of my books and his and, and supported me through some of my commentary writing during the George W. Bush age. Uh, um, and uh, he's been very kind to me. And I sent him and I'm trying to oh, I'm blocking on the name of it. It's the one where you meet the guy in the bar. And you say all I can at the end. You're saying all I can tell you is what they oh, told oh, me. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name of myself. Uh, song now uh, makes me feel better that you can't. <laughs> I know the song you're talking about. <laughs> uh, sing it. <laughs> Trying not to lose my mind. 
is the that's name of- it. That's it. Trying not to lose my mind. It's like that's uh, so I, I sent that to him and said, said, you should listen to the rest of Jefferson's music. But but I said, I think that you should use this as your theme song because because he is so, he is all about inclusion and yeah. all about, you know, he's he's he, he was on the front lines early, early on. Back when we were just you and I were drinking and, and uh, yeah. on dealing with uh, uh, women in the church and, and uh, um, gays in the church, all this other stuff. So. So I hope I, I hope I yeah, hope that, maybe he, he he makes use of your song. Well, uh, I hope he does too. Yeah, that I do remember writing that one and then thinking uh, just how confused and frightened I was about so many things growing up. I mean, there's a lot of good I, I'm about growing up uh, religiously, I suppose, but there it gets, gets confusing. You know, we're mm-hmm. supposed to. Uh, uh, be diligent and work hard and we're supposed to, you know, consider the lilies and don't care what happens the next day. I and mean, there's, so many conflicting things that we're supposed to, supposed to turn the other cheek. Then we're supposed to be a warrior. We're supposed to do all this. So I have to be about 25 or 26. I was just confused as hell and didn't uh, know where to put that. So that's where that little tune came out. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I love it. It's it's now. So, okay. Before we finish, so tell us about your new album. It's called Southern Currency, and uh, I've always wanted to write a little love letter to and from the South, uh, with warts and all, the South as I see it, South as I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, because I think a lot of people outside the South either see us as a bunch of hateful Gomer Pyle people, or mm-hmm. if you're from the South, you want to portray it as everything's all moonlight and magnolias and it's all just wonderful. And so mm-hmm. I to write a very honest account. It's 11 songs, and each one of them has a state. Alabama's the first one. It has its own song. Georgia has its mm-hmm. own song. Oh, wow. Never. Okay. Um, some people, uh, well, we're getting really good response from it. I, I'm, I'm sure some of my friends from Alabama might might dis, uh, might unfriend me after hearing it, but uh, <laughs> I think people are gonna, who, who know what I do are going to dig mm-hmm. it. Uh, well, so is it available now? It's uh, it's actually officially out March first, okay. but kind of sometimes uh, iTunes messes up, puts it on a little early. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on. I checked yesterday, okay. still okay. But well, we'll, March, put, we'll, we'll put something in the show notes on this so that people can go find it. Please do. Yeah, it's just I would say just send them to iTunes right now because it's okay. not going to. Okay. Well, that, I have a, I have a criticism though that I want to ask you if you make a change. Hateful Gomer Pyle is an oxymoron. Now, see, a lot, a lot of people don't know who Gomer Pyle is, but Gomer Pyle was the the farthest thing from hateful. Yeah. It's like, like I, I get the, about what we're talking about, how we talk, but it's like, it's that's a that's that's not good to Gomer. That's not good to Jim Neighbors. It's like we, we <laughs> find a better find a better suggestion. Maybe maybe uh, Ernest you, T. Ernest T. from uh, uh, from the uh, Mayberry. Well, I do. I guess what I'm uh, what I mean is, I think a lot of people see Southerners. They're smiling on, you know, I don't mean mm-hmm. to, to uh, besmirch the memory of, of dear Jim Neighbors, but uh, <laughs> they smiling and, in, 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 you know, setting the world on fire with another. I mean, I, I, I tour outside the States and, and I'm in Europe a lot and they all like, we love you as a person, but, you mm-hmm. know, y'all seem to, you know, get it together. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think that Lot some of them do have it together. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a political bent. Is uh, you know there there people on the left side of political uh, aisle in the south. There's like uh, Norman uh, Norman Blake says. He goes, "I'm an old lefty." He goes, "We're not extinct. We're just outnumbered." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's kind of how it is with uh, the people looking in on us, thinking it's. I guess that's my point. People looking in on the south, thinking they're all one way. And they're not. They're, they're well, and it, right. And so you, you get the culture, the, the the culture as a whole can get lost in 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 that. Uh, well, black or white, all or none thinking is it's it's, uh, it's the, about, well, the, the English are all this way or the French are all this mm-hmm, way, California mm-hmm. this way, New Yorkers, whatever. And um, when the fact is, that's just lazy thinking. And um, and and without me standing there going, y'all are a bunch of lazy thinkers. It's like, well, here's some ideas. Here's here's a song about this. Here's a song about that. Make up your own mind. 
I love it. So what we have is a picture of Jefferson sitting there going like, okay, do I want to tell people they're a bunch of lazy thinkers or maybe I'll just write some songs and make an album? Yeah, I think I'll do that. Which one will I do? Ah. Well, I I think I think it's a beautiful concept. And, you know, clearly um, there's institutional rot and, uh, you know, uh, the old guard clinging onto power and causing a lot of havoc. It doesn't just occur in the South. It happens across the entire country. So, yeah, that's point. true. There's no doubt. Good point. Good point. So, uh, well, we will we will include some of this stuff in our show notes, so the people who are listening to this go go and and find out how to get a hold of of Jefferson's work and look at his look at his paintings. I, you know, I I have that wonderful gift you gave me the the painting of Kurt Vonnegut here in my <laughs> office. It's uh, d- d- are those are do you are your paintings for sale online or they are and I don't uh, reason I don't make more of a thing about it on my website is I, I do them to order. I don't have a bunch of prints. I don't think they print well because there's a lot of texture in those pictures. Mm-hmm. So what I do is uh, this is lazy man's way about it, but I just, I post stuff on Instagram, Facebook or whatever. People tend to like them. And generally what they, they'll say is, wow, I really like that. But could you do a Dr. Mm-hmm. John? Could you do mm-hmm. a or something like that? So mm-hmm. I kind of paint the order, and uh, okay, okay. I need to make well, that website, but that's pretty much what I do. But it's amazing, it's amazing, and you're and you're right about the texture. It's it's like I think it you know it would be, I think a print would could be really cool, but it's like like it would not be the, it would not be at all the same as having well, it's commercially cool for me to do it that way. But they just don't do right, and the, and the frames, yes, uh, just as much a part of it as the as the picture and uh, they, that just doesn't come out well in a print. Right. So well, just, what, are, what, are, what, are, what are they painted on? It looks like a, a part of a door. What, what? Yeah. Uh, well, I think yours is on a piece of just plywood, right? I, yeah. 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 It's plywood. What, well, uh, the size they are as I go to home Depot and they've got them two by, they've got these two by two pieces of plywood on those shelves. You know, they have with the uh-huh, number. Uh-huh. I buy five or six of those at a time and just bring them home and kind of season them a little bit. Let them let the let yeah. the, the elements get to them and then I paint them up and frame them. I used to do them on barn tin and I've got a bunch of them that I did. That's a pain in the neck to, to work with. I bet. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I was doing them just on barn tin for a while. These people with these old farmers up in West Tennessee, I mean, in middle Tennessee would redo their the roofs on their barns and they'd give me the tin. And, uh, I did that. To, and I went, you know, it's a whole lot easier to go to home Depot and just buy a piece of plywood and deal with that. So uh, Cause I was going to say, this is not a canvas. I know that I can tell. By no, no, no. My <laughs> it is your canvas, but it's not a canvas. Yeah. Metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we, a, before, before yeah. we wrap up uh, with Jefferson, I just wanted to be sure I asked him one more emotional sobriety question. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you talk about, talk about the role of, integrity i wanted to know what you thought about flexibility and how that's informed your kind of latter stage philosophy mm-hmm. well I, I posted this i posted this the other day it's like mm-hmm. flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape <laughs> <laughs> i'm gumby damn it <laughs> my yeah girl, my girlfriend calls me that when i wear a green shirt to me, it's, it, I mean, you. Everybody has a line they draw in the sand that they're not going to cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom's not going to drink any of that nasty Scoresby's, uh, <laughs> no. or whatever. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, but being flexible, I mean, at the age of forty-three, I became a father, and I learned what flexibility was. <laughs> it's you. You don't. You don't. Uh, you're not flexible to let them run out in the street. That's not, that's not open for, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. Every five minutes is different. And you better be able to respond flexibly uh, rather than rigidly, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a mess. So I say flexibility is, is way up there. It keeps you limber. It keeps you limber emotionally. It, it, I think it keeps you limber in your body because you're thinking about mm-hmm. being Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good. I love it. Great question. Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Jeff, for doing this. This is this has been so much fun. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. Again, nice meeting you, Tom. It's always a joy to talk to you, however mm-hmm. we can do it. Okay. It's like everybody who 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 has a, a friend in the past who wants to get together, you should get your own podcast and interview them. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big supporter of that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again Go out and shake the world like a willow tree And bring some stories, bring some stories back to me I hope your days are sweet and sunny You shoot the bull with pockets full of extra folding money And may you fly your flag in victory And bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Entertain me like nobody else Tend your life Tend your myth Cultivate your narrative With whomever you're with Then with glass in hand And children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime To be a human Never be ashamed To be yourself Rest assured That whatever you're doing will entertain me like nobody else so here's to us my old friends until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again with glass in hand and children on one knee bring some stories bring your stories back to me (laughs) 